the last gold rush took place along the Yukon River in Alaska in the late 1800s. And there was this region there where the gold was to be found that was protected by this huge thousand foot climb up a 35 degree slope that they had to try to get across. Most of the year it was covered in ice. So very challenging entrance into the area where they're gonna find this immense amount of gold. But this area was protected by this uh, tribe of indigenous peoples called the Chilkut, Chilkut people. And these people were very cunning. They were really smart. Um, They kind of jealously guarded that area and didn't want anyone to get in there. Not really because they valued the gold, but because it was their land. Um, They had a tremendous advantage over the gold seekers from the south, which was that they were of stocky build. It was easy for them to climb over mountains, and they could carry packs of up to 200 pounds and walk all day without getting tired. Right? So um, when these southerners came looking for gold, these, uh, these people decided they, they were going to take advantage of it. And they started offering to carry their bags for them right, at a cost. So they would charge them per pound of the bag that they were carrying up to like a dollar a pound, which at the time was worth a lot more than a dollar now. And they're making a fortune off of these men who would do anything and pay anything in order to get gold. It's kind of an ironic situation because these men had something which was immensely valuable, tremendous amounts of gold hidden in the rivers up there and in the streams and in the, in the rocks up in that area. Um, but they were willing to give it all away and make a fortune off of charging their service to these people. I think that they kind of represent something like what we have in the gospel today. Um, giving away something really valuable for something that's even more valuable. The question is, what are the true riches? What are the true riches? In this case, is it gold or a fortune made from normal money? I don't know. Gold in itself isn't worth that much. It's worth something if you sell it, you know? Who was right? It's a good question. Around the same time in history, there was another adventure happening at the other end of the North American continent. Uh, An expedition was being made to reach the farthest point north that man had ever stepped on. Led by Adolphus Greeley. They left in 1881, got back in 1884, I believe. Um, Their expedition was uh, run by the army. So they had army commanders and men, soldiers, who were sent up there. Their goal, their main goal, the only goal really, was to beat the British record of farthest north. Now, at the time, there weren't airplanes yet, so it was hard to get up north. And the farthest a man had reached on the globe, northwards, had been set by the British. So the Americans couldn't handle that, right? They had to beat them. So (laughs) it's kind of a funny story. Um, They spent two long winters. You know that when you get to a certain point north, uh, winter is nighttime for, I think it's like 150 days or something like that. Right? Two long winters in the darkness, surviving up there. They actually broke the record for farthest north. And then during their, their second summer uh, of their expedition, they had to change their plans because none of the ships that were going to take them supplies was able to make it there. So they were running out of supplies. So they started making their way back south. 
um, on, on the ship that they had, they were supposed to be picked up by somebody who didn't make it there and, and only made it halfway. So at the end of the summer, you know, mid-August or something like that, they got stranded out on a block of ice up somewhere in northern Greenland and uh, had to spend the last winter there with not enough supplies, starving to death for the whole last winter. The third, the third summer of their expedition, a ship finally made it there to rescue them. They found seven survivors of the 25 who had set off. And they had long since given up burying those who died because they didn't have the strength in their bodies to even drag them out of the hut that they were living in. There was a dead man who had fallen dead in the doorway and they had left him there. All of them were just waiting to die when they were rescued and taken home. It's an amazing story and it gives you a lot of respect for these tough, strong men who went through so much difficulty. But what struck me when I read, this, I read the book about this, this uh, story recently, um, what struck me about it was at the end, Adolphus Greeley says, it was all worth it for the sake of the glory of my country and the progress of science. And I was baffled by that. How could you say it was all worth it? All but seven of the men died of starvation up there in the Arctic. And what was it for? For the sake of proving a point, for the sake of vanity. I couldn't believe that, that he said that at the end of his life. Um, not to judge him. I mean, they did do a great thing. They studied a lot. They kept a lot of scientific record, records. It was good in many ways. But what's really worth losing lives for? What is it really worthwhile to give our lives for? What are the real true riches that we should be living for rather than vanity or making a show or appearing to be great in the eyes of the world? or fame, something like that. One more story for you. Great Marvel movie that just came out recently. Got a lot of teenagers here, so I've got to use Marvel, you know. Um, Wanda Maximoff kills and destroys everyone that she can in order to cross the multiverse into another universe where she has two adorable little boys that she just wants to love and care for and hold and embrace, you know. And uh, she's got this great desire to be with her sons who live in a different reality than she lives in. So she's willing to kill and to, to destroy everyone or everything in order to get there. So the end of the movie, um, Doctor Strange, and I forget the subtitle, you know, uh, she, gets, she, finally, she finally breaks through and she's standing by this, this portal thing that allows her to go into the other, the other universe and finally be with her children. And the real her, the other her, is there with the children at the time. And she, and she walks in, and their mom herself tries to, tries to stop her, and she just tosses her aside, you know, and, uh, with, her, with her superpowers. And then, but the kids are terrified, and they start throwing things at her. And they're like, go away, go away, go away. And they hate her. All she wanted was to be with her kids and to, to love them, and they, they just, they hate her, right? And they go away, and she says, stop it! And then the kids run and cower behind the banister. And she goes up to them, and she says, don't worry, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. I would never hurt anyone. And they're looking at their mom who's laying there on the ground, right? And then she realizes that she's become this monster. 
that she was everything she was seeking throughout this whole story, her whole life, was ruined because she became this evil person, a killer. And there's no way that these boys can love her when she's that kind of person. So what do these three stories have in common? (laughs) The vanity of the things that we can seek in our life. The vanity of chasing after something that's not worth it in the end. Today's gospel uh, tells the story of this man who, who is about to lose his position, right? He's messed up. He's, you could say, a sinner, right? And he does something which to us at first can seem kind of, kind of wrong, right? He's a little bit dishonest. He, he calls in all the people who have a debt to his master, and he reduces their debt and cuts it in half without them having to pay, right? So that they will befriend him. And Jesus tells us a story, and at the end he says, you should do this. You should make friends using the, what the gospel calls dishonest wealth. You should make friends who can welcome you into the eternal kingdom. What's he talking about? He's talking about being ready to throw away all of the useless things in our life, all of the things that we might be attached to, the things that are vain, the things that are really just for ourselves or are just material or worldly for the sake of making those friendships in heaven that will bring us into eternal life. And it makes us ask the question of how much are we willing to sell? How much are we willing to give up? It makes us ask the question, what are the things that I am banking on which are the wrong things to be putting all of my hope in? Like in each of those stories, There's someone who is putting their hope or desiring something which is really just vanity in the end. It could be gold. It could be money. It could be fame. It could be, you know, defeating someone so I can be with people that I love in a false way, in a way that isn't according to the truth, right? And I think that this can happen to us on so many levels. It can happen to us on a lot of levels. The first obvious level is when it happens to us with material things. The material things that we can chase after that represent that our heart is not really totally set on getting to heaven and chasing after God. You know, when we love, you know, planning our second or third or fourth vacation of the year at our dream vacation, going over the top with desiring things and having things and possessions. It can happen to us in other ways as well. It can happen to us when we, when we love our work too much. If we're such workaholics that, that we dedicate more time to work than to the other more important things in our life, like prayer, like seeking God, uh, like the sacraments, like our family, it becomes something that is vain. We're chasing after it, and really, in the end, it's not going to give us the happiness that we desire. It's not going to give us the fulfillment that we need. Um, it can happen in other ways with, with vanity, Right? when we pursue being appreciated or being liked by others or being famous. Uh, this is something that happens to me a lot. You know, all of you who know me know that I love music and I write songs and I record songs. And, you know, naturally I love it when people like my stuff, my music, right? But I look at my life and I say, if I'm doing all of this just for the appreciation, just for the vanity, just for being praised by others, then it's all false. Then I'm missing the point. At some point, I've got to be ready to even let go of that 
to even be hated by other people, to even be disliked by others for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of pursuing God. Um, you know, and I'm not perfect. I struggle with that. If I want to be uh, a real teacher, then I've, got to, then I've got to give an example of detachment from that, from that vanity. Sometimes I think that it can come um, when we seek to be right or uh, to kind of be teachers of others because it gives us a feeling of importance when we want to be the one who's always right, who always knows everything. Uh, that's kind of against humility. It's also another form of vanity. If we can give it up, then we can you know, put more eternal savings in our eternal bank account. Um, I think that we can even trick ourselves into even things that seem to be pursuing God when really we're pursuing other things, right? When our involvement in church is really for the sake of prestige or um, like we go on missions, right? If we go on missions just so that other people will see us as holy persons, then we're pursuing it just out of vanity. God wants us to let go of the vanity and to pursue him just for him. Uh, There was this beautiful song that we used to sing a long time ago um, that had a line that said, I seek the giver, not the gift. I seek the giver, not the gift. Many of the things in our lives that God gives us are his gifts, but we can't seek them for themselves. We have to let go of the gifts at times and seek only the giver, seek only God, purely him. Deep down, we need to face the fact that if it's not God, then it's not our goal. If it's not God, then it's not what we should be seeking and what we should be chasing after. God is the one that the gospel speaks about who will welcome us into the eternal dwellings with love if we live seeking him and pursuing him with all of our hearts. Let's form ourselves, in ourselves, that readiness to give up all of the gifts and all of the things in the world, the good things in the world, for the sake of seeking only the giver, God himself.